Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. And we are doing something a little bit different. We are recording this so that you can watch me actually do this show. I don't know how actually excited I am about that, but I do think it's a great new step. And (laughs) and I like trying new things. So we are doing today, the show is, Are You Allowed to Be You in Your Own World? So What do you think about when you think about that statement? Are you allowed to be you, the real you, in your own world? Because we all have a world that we live in, and it it doesn't necessarily have, you know, walls and fences and things like this. But it is this world that we kind of get to know. It's, you know, it's all the buildings that we visit. It's the streets that we drive. It's the neighbors that we see. It's people at work that we see every day. And these types of things, it, it really kind of create this world that we live in. And sometimes worlds intersect. And that always is an interesting feeling when you go, I didn't know you knew so-and-so. I know so-and-so. So when you think about, are you feeling like you can really be you in your own world? So what I want you to think about is what we're really going to focus on today is taking responsibility for you in your own world. Now, why would that be so important? Well, the point of this podcast is the need for you to know you. I mean, really know you. To know that you are a one-time occurring person, this means when you die, you will then be considered extinct. Isn't that strange? See, you're one of a kind. So this is not to encourage arrogance or entitlement or privilege and living outside the rules and the norms of society. It really means that you don't have to prove anything. You cannot be replicated. Even your mistakes are original. So practicing self-acceptance and honoring yourself and being committed to not follow fads as a way to be accepted, especially if the fad or the behavior goes against your value system. So the concept and the commitment to a value system is a must in order for you to maintain your own uniqueness and feel comfortable and proud of yourself in your own skin, even and especially when you mess up. 
So what does this actually mean? Well, no one can stop us from being ourselves. However, if we are not approved of, celebrated, desired, our tendency will be to find a way to be seen positively. So oftentimes this means we may actually become someone we're not, simply because we want to fit in or we want to be known. So the problem is if I'm not being truly who I am, then I will fall into this imposter syndrome, where being seen now feels even worse than if you weren't seen for who you are, because now you're being seen for somebody that you're not, and you have to keep you know, doing that. So when do you let down? When do you show someone your true colors? So I want you to think about this. Humans, mammals, mammals need to be seen. So if you have pets, you know how important it is that you see them. They want to have eye contact with you, and they want to know that you see them. So one of the most compelling examples of the concept of this need to be seen, one of these the most amazing examples is that we actually act differently, speak differently, and dress differently, and many times engage in unsavory behaviors you know, we hide, we perform, we even jeopardize relationships if it means that I am seen. Think of the different fads we have had. We have tattoos, the way we dress, how we alter our language. We actually create an actually a, a different language within our social group. We act out. We even get in trouble. And getting in trouble feels better than not being seen. So I want you to be able to be the unique, authentic person you were designed to be, the best version of you. And you are the only one that can affect the world positively or negatively in your own unique way. So the first part of this is to be seen. See, we're told it's a fundamental need in humans to be seen. And I did some research to find out why and how does it work. So what it is we're looking for, what's the benefit of having this need met? And I want you to understand it really starts in childhood. Now, I was raised during an era when it was commonly said that children are to be seen and not heard. And that mentality and treatment of children caused numerous negative side effects in adults today. Clearly, the being seen part of that line doesn't deliver the core human need I'm addressing. Now, why is that? Well, the second part negates the first. In the context, the child is the object to be dominated and controlled instead of a person who deserves value. So children are people. People need to be seen and heard. And taking the voice away from a child really takes their power away to rule over themselves. And it causes a codependency on authority. Instead of teaching a child how to express and control their own attitudes and behaviors, so what we do is, in an attempt to get them to behave well, we end up causing them to be this weird abreaction of themselves. And so when we look at this idea of the proof of our need to be seen, I want you to think about that famous verse in the Bible that says, you are the God who sees me. And see, that was so powerful to so many people when they really came to realize and feel that there is a God that sees them. We're not just, you know, running around here on the planet and, and nobody's noticing. So this need to be seen means that we understand that when people like see themselves in a jumbotron, have you ever seen this? I mean, it's, it's quite fascinating. 
you see everybody trying to get into the picture of the jumbotron. And why is this so fun to be seen on the big screen? Each of us need to have this big screen in our life, it appears. And if we do, if we really do feel seen, we don't need to make it happen near as much. And so it's important to be, you know, recognized and acknowledged by others. Um, it's, it's good for you to be seen because what happens, you know, having this need to be seen really provides a lot of benefit. And the benefit really is it helps us come alive. It validates us even if we've done something wrong. And this is why you see children that try to be good kids and aren't seen in that way. They end up acting out and they certainly get seen in that way. So motivation is clearly impacted by whether our need to be seen is met or not. It is very debilitating. It's very emasculating for men. It's very dehumanizing for women if we won't even look at them when we talk to them. And so you know, you've seen people do all kinds of crazy things just to be seen, just to be videoed. And so when we think about this need to be seen, I want you to understand that there's a lot of research on this. And it was done to highlight the importance of this simple act of acknowledgement of being seen. The people in this study were divided into three groups, and they were all given the same task. And the variable was this completion of the task. And when each participant handed their completed task to the experimenter, there were three different responses. And this is what happened. The first group, the experimenter took the paper and quickly scanned it before just filing it away. So they were acknowledged. At least they were acknowledged. The second group, however, the experimenter took the paper and immediately filed it without even looking at it. They were ignored. So the third group, the experimenter took the paper and without looking, immediately put it through the shredder. Their work was destroyed. So when I read about this third group, it's appalling. I expected their results to be the worst because they were treated the worst. But here's what happened. This is what was so unexpected. The research was done for the purpose of tracking motivation, and here's what they said. The results were striking. Those in the acknowledged condition persevered significantly longer. No difference between the completion rates for the ignored people and the shredder groups. Findings demonstrated that the sheer power of acknowledgement when it comes to our work, it's important to point out that the researchers did not do any in-depth analysis of the accuracy or the quality of the work. They didn't even look at what the people did. It was simply a matter of recognizing the work. And so the impact and the acknowledgement on the motivation of the participants was profound. See, ignoring the work of someone else had the same impact as the group that had their work promptly shredded. See, it didn't matter whether it was taken care of but just overlooked. It felt the same as the group that had their work shredded. So the third group had their work destroyed. The second group didn't. Yet the second group's lack of having their need to be seen met, that was being destroyed. They were feeling destroyed. So it's the act of paying attention to another person that causes us to be truly connected. And paying attention 
is, is a form of seeing one another, meeting each other's needs to be seen. And this is what I want you to understand. This will not go away. This will not go away. So what I'm wanting you to work on is learning ways to be seen positively and to be able to tolerate, maybe when you're having one of those days and you're not really being seen, to be able to moderate that, to manage that and say, you know, this is just maybe not a good day. Maybe it's just not my day, right? It doesn't mean I'm not worth anything. It doesn't mean I have no value. It means that I just need to relax and I can value myself and remind myself that I can't always depend on the external world to tell me I'm valid. So join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. We have lots of things there for you, and we have study guides that are available. We have um, things that come out weekly. We also have a mini book called How to Be Your Own Best Change Agent. So we have lots to really encourage you with. So I want you to really make sure that you go to the website and find all those different things that are available for you. So we are talking about this idea of the need to be seen. And this is a very interesting phenomenon because it goes all the way back into biblical times when I told you about the verse of the, the gentleman that said, you are the God who sees me. And even though his life was not working, the fact that God saw him strengthened him. And so this is one of the reasons why we as humans love to perform. We love to get attention. We love to, you know, maybe even scare people. You know how much men love to scare women because they love the response, right? And so what you want to think about is this seeing issue really is equal to connection. And Brene Brown is one of my very um, favorite authors. And she talked about this connecting. And she, she, said, she defines this as, the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. So this is what we want to really be working on. When we take time to see others, to acknowledge them, to listen to them, and respond, well, what are we doing actually? Well, we're actually loving them. Seeing others is loving them. So love sees. And when we think about this, we have this need to be seen. We crave it. And we talked about the jumbotron. If you've seen people at, you know, football games, oh my gosh, they look up and they're on the jumbotron and they point to their friend and everybody jumps into the picture because we all want to be on the jumbotron. So clearly the being seen part, you know, doesn't necessarily deliver the core human need. But what does it do? See, this is the point that's so important. Children are people and people need to be seen and heard. And taking the voice away from a child takes away their power to rule themselves. And it causes this codependency issue that we've talked about on this show before. And that codependency means I get my good feelings from you. And so if you don't approve of me, if you don't see me, if you don't love me, if you don't like me, then I feel like I might not even exist. 
I feel like I have no value. So we have this idea about this need to be seen. And, and when we look at that, we understand why it's good to be seen. Think about what you've done in your life just to be seen. I mean, I know that I was a, a cheerleader in um, high school, and I was a pom-pom girl in junior high, and I loved it. I just loved it. I loved being a cheerleader, jumping around, you know, seeing all the crowd, and, you know, all the excitement that went on at the football game. And it was this really wonderful feeling to be seen. And so when we think about this, we understand that this idea of being seen is so powerful that it supersedes the way that you are seen. Now that's important. This is why we have people, you know, the streakers that we used to have, you know, people who run out streaking. And, and we think about people, what they're doing in terms of altering their, their entire appearance even through plastic surgery, this need to be seen, to want to be either seen just to be seen or to promise and, and protect that, that little kid part of them that wants to be seen positively. So this is why women wear makeup. This is why we do our hair. This is why men, you know, I don't know, lift and do all these other things and, and make sure that they have the right kind of, you know, hair on their face and, and that they're wearing the right shoes. And, and so this is why we do these things. We want to be seen in a positive light because if we are, we are usually safer. And that's what is so profound about this idea of being seen. If I am not seen, I am more unsafe than if I'm seen negatively. That's, that's a huge phenomenon to think about. That's profound. And so what we think about is paying attention to each other is a form of seeing each other. It's meeting each other's need to be seen. So think about how you feel if you were talking to somebody and they keep looking away. They keep looking at the door, they look at the menu, or they look on their phone, and maybe you keep moving your head so that you can like get in their eyesight, right? And you know how disconcerting it feels, how really uncomfortable it feels. It's like, what, what am I just nothing sitting here? Am I invisible? So when we think about this need to connect, I want you to understand that, that it, it is so powerful that it actually causes this, what we call a failure to thrive. And the Gottman Institute, this is a very famous study that he did, and, and I want to caution you if you watch it. It's called the Still Face video, the Still Face Experiment. And it is painful to watch, but it is very, very powerful. And what happens is the Still Face Experience started out, you know, it's the meeting of the Society for Research and Child Development, and they described this phenomenon in which an infant after three minutes of interaction with a non-responsive, expressionless mother, rapidly sobers and grows wary. He makes these repeated attempts to get the interaction that, it, that this little child is used to having, this reciprocal pattern of mom and baby looking at each other, cooing at one another, you know, making signs, touching their hands, their face. And when all these attempts fail for this little baby, this infant withdraws and orients his face and body away from the mother. And this hopeless, hopeless facial expression, it is so sad to see. It, you see this infant in such pain because the mother 
instead of looking at the child like, hi, oh, you're so cute, the mother goes like this. And she has no expression at all. And the baby loses it. And it is so hard to watch. So I want you to see it because it will really help you understand if you have felt this way. And it will also help you understand how important it is if you begin to engage in conversation with someone and you don't want to do the conversation. You're being kinder and gentler to them if you say, you know, I'm not up to talking right now. I just don't think I'm going to be a good conversationalist. Can we just do this later? Instead of looking away, hoping that they quit talking, hoping they're done, looking at your phone, your watch, that is painful. That is actually injurious to humans. So you can see this at, um, this is the Gottman Institute, and it is called the Still Face Experiment. And it is painful to watch, but it's very powerful. So I want you to think about this idea that humans need to be seen. Well, this is also mammalian. So I'm sure if you have pets at home, you know, <laughs> you know that they will start to do things just to get attention. They're like, hey, did you forget I'm here? You know, our cat does this in, in lots of different ways. You know, we, we, I've had dogs before that have done it. You know, many times animals, they'll bring, you know, a toy and they'll sit it in front of you because they want to play with you. My cat hits me on the, the cheek with her paw. She's like, like this so that I like look at her. And so I want you to consider why it's so important to be seen and why it's especially important to be seen if we've done something wrong. And many times our natural tendency is to hide. And like I was talking about animals, what do they do? What does a dog do if it's in trouble? It runs under the bed, right? So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue to talk about, are you allowed to be you in your own world? Welcome back. You're listening to Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And I want to make sure, I always want to remind you to go to the website. We have lots of different things there for you, different ways to connect. And just, we have some handouts. We have study guides that, that are parallel with the show. And we certainly have all kinds of inspiring things to give to you. So I want you to make sure that, that you check out the website. So we are talking about this idea of are you seen? Are you allowed to be you in your own world? And I know I have experienced that before in my life where I'm like, why am I not fitting in? Why, why am I somehow I'm overlooked. I, I try to interject into the conversation and I try to say something and I think I'm being, you know, valid or, or with the group. And somehow I just keep being overlooked completely. And you know that feeling. And so this is so important because many times that feeling, if we don't take care of that feeling, it leads to a lot of self-medicating behaviors. It leads to drinking, eating, pornography, staying at home by yourself, not getting out of bed, watching TV 24-7, you know, all these different things that we might do when we're feeling like, what does it matter? I, nobody even cares anyways. No one sees me. I don't matter to anybody. Every time I try to, you know, talk with somebody, they look away. Those types of feelings we all have, some to, you know, greater than, than others may feel it. But this idea that Dr. Tronick did, this still face experiment, 
it really remains one of the most replicated findings in developmental psychology because it really shows this primary need. So when we think about food, water, sleep, we, we need to add scene to it because this is what kills people. This is what happens in jail. This is what happens in families when you have a child that, that might not be aggressive as the, other, the rest of the children and so has never gets to really participate because everybody's more um, outgoing or more extroverted than this particular child is. And they start to just think they don't matter. So I, I came across um, this study that was done, and I have to tell you, this is, it's, it's, un, it's uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable study, but it is so profound when I tell you about this, and this was done in the 1920s. This was the Second World War, and what happened was Russia had a tremendous amount of infants and no parents. Their parents were killed in the war, and so they had all these infants, and so they decided to do this grand experiment, and they, they um, worked with Germany, and what they did was Germany built these warehouses. I, I mean, probably 50 different warehouses. You can see it online. It's crazy to see these warehouses. And what they did was they filled them with baby cribs, and they were one after another just lined, lined up straight with one another, and they made sure that they, the, the, um, it was air-conditioned, it was heated perfectly. These warehouses were, were, you know, the lights came on at the right time, they went dark at the right time, and they had all these nurses. Every single baby had a nurse for that baby. But the nurses were told one thing. They, were, they told the nurses, do not look at the babies. So they fed them perfectly. They changed their diapers immediately. The, the, the uh, temperature in these warehouses was perfect. So they had perfect food that, that was very well, that would help them really to, you know, thrive. And what happened was because the nurses were not allowed to look at the baby, the, these babies died. This is where we get failure to thrive. That's what Dr. Tronick did in the experiment that he was talking about. So this idea of failure to thrive, this is really important. So I want you to think about if you're struggling with this, if you're struggling with being seen, then I want you first and foremost, I, I would like to you know, recommend that you see a good, a good therapist because this can be helped and it is imperative that it is. And so if you're struggling with that, I want you to really talk with somebody about it and say, you know, why, why is it that I can't seem to break into conversations? Why is it that I can't seem to hold someone's attention? And is it something I'm doing? Or am I might, am maybe I'm being with people that aren't very relational, even though they're very talkative. So I want you to consider that. There's a lot of people that are super extroverted and very talkative, but are not very relational. So you can't really connect with them at all. And if you're not careful, you may interpret that as you not being valuable, you not being worth the time, that somehow there's some secret out there that you don't have in order to get someone to be interested in you. See, this is the human condition. And it's imperative that you take care of it and that you realize that if that's what's happening to you, this is not your fault. This is not your fault. 
This can be from a series of events that occurred while you were growing up. If you're an introvert, it makes it even harder. So this is Cynthia. Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. And we have one more segment. And I want you to really be able to listen to this in, in its entirety. So you can go to the website. You can also look on all your po- famous uh, favorite podcast servers. And you can find them there. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and thank you for joining me today and also for letting your friends know about the show and encouraging them to listen to them as well. And so I want you to know that today we are talking about this topic that is very poignant, especially in America, and this is your own world. Are you allowed to be you in your own world? So is the person that's in the house, in the apartment, you know, driving around in your car by yourself, you know, is that person a lot different than the public person, than the person that gets out of their car, walks into the house, and becomes a different person? And so if that's the case, this is this feeling of, why am I not allowed to be me? I mean, I'm allowed to be me, but it's not working. It's not working for me. I'm not seen. I'm not heard. People ignore me. They talk on top of me. And so it's a horrible feeling to think that I think I have something to offer. Why isn't it being heard? Why isn't it being seen? And some of this may come from some earlier things growing up. Maybe in your home you were taught to not speak. You were taught to just be polite, to not give your opinion. Maybe in the home that you were raised in, there were bigger personalities and you never got a chance to interject anything. Maybe you were even told that what you bring to the table, what you talk about, what you say, doesn't make any sense. What if you're reprimanded all the time for talking? So this is what I want you to think about. I'm wanting you to take responsibility for you in your own world. I don't want you to have to try to go find another world. Because the one that you're in is probably where God placed you. So I want you to think about the world that you have oriented in. How are you interacting in that world? And I want you to take responsibility for you as if you were the parent. And we've talked about this parent-adult-child triune that we all have. And am I a good parent to me or am I an abandoning parent? Do I just like reject myself and go, I don't have any need for you. I don't want to talk to you. You just mess it up every time we go out. So am I a parent that is saying, hey, we can work on this. Why don't we go get some help? Why don't we go find someone that might be able to encourage us in a way to be me so that I actually am seen in a positive way? So the point of this is really the need for you to know you. I mean really know you. Not not know the person everyone tells you that you are or the person that you hope to be or the person you should be or could be or ought to be. I want you to take responsibility of you and say, you know, maybe I just need to ask God and say, you know, I don't know if I know who I am, God. I really don't. I've tried on all kinds of things. I've done all kinds of things. I think I can do certain things, and it just doesn't seem to take. And I will truthfully, (laughs) I will tell you the truth. I went through this all growing up, all the way into my 30s probably, where I could do a lot of things. I had some, some good talents, 
but I was never really seen in the way that I felt like, like, why are, why am I not being seen for this? I'm doing a good job. And what I came to find was that I was kind of doing whatever it was that made sense to me and not really doing what God had for me. And I had to really do some searching and I had to really say to God, okay, God, I've tried everything. I've done everything in, in so many ways. I'm really committed. I'm really, you know, <laughs> motivated. But I can't seem to figure out who I am. I, I seem to be copying other people or other things or trying things on. And it just doesn't, it falls flat because it's not authentic to me. So when we're thinking about being you in your world, this isn't just your own little, you know, Idaho in your own mind. This is the world that you interact with. This is your neighbors, church, school, friends, family, you know, the people at the grocery store, what, whatever that may be. It's, that's the world that I have been placed in. And so I want you to think about, what does this mean? How do I truly be the best version of me? Because you are a one-time only occurring person. So I said early in the show, that means if you die, when you die, you will be extinct. I mean, that's fascinating to think about, that you are really a one-time occurring person. And even your mistakes are original. I mean, we can all do some of the same dumb things, but we still do it in our own way. So this is imperative for you to think about. I need to practice self-acceptance. I need to practice honoring myself, even when I make mistakes, because I have come to find that even my mistakes are original. <laughs> so I'm not necessarily happy about the mistake, but it helps me to understand that even doing a similar mistake with some, that someone else may have done, I still do it in a way that is mine. And so I want you to not be practicing fads, you know, or things that go against your own value system. And if you don't know what your value system is, that's, that's your homework today. You need to decide. You need to commit to a value system. And when we talk about a value system, it means those things that we won't go against. It means the thing that defines me. And so it means that even if I'm allowed to do something, it doesn't fit in my value system, so I'm not doing it. I, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I would rather be ostracized from the group, or I'd rather have someone be mad at me or not like me, because I'm not doing that. It's not me, and I know it's not me. And this is why we need to be committed to ourselves. And so it's important for you to understand this concept and the commitment to a value system and it, it's in order for you to truly maintain your own uniqueness. Because I'll tell you what, sin is not unique. <laughs> it's, just, it's not unique at all. And so I want you to be proud of yourself and feel good in your own skin, even and especially when you mess up. And so what, what really does this actually mean? Well, it means that, that we really say to the Creator, you know, God, I don't really know who I am all the time. I have a good idea or I have things that I've done a long time, always doing the same thing. And I think that's me. Maybe that's not me. So I want you to investigate. I want you to say to God, hey, maybe you need to tell me who I am. Maybe you need to tell me why I was created. You know, what's the point of all of this? Because 
this is kind of an existential issue. Humans are all unique, and they are placed in time, in history, specifically to be in time. And, and I realized this when, when, when God said to me, you know, nobody sneaks on the planet, okay? Every human is planned. That's phenomenal. So you were planned since the beginning of time to appear on the earth on the day of your birth. That matters. So it's important that, that you really learn who you are. It doesn't mean we don't have similarities with other people. My goodness, it's fun to have similarities with other people. But not at the risk of denying myself just to fit in or just to connect. So one of the most compelling examples of humans needing to be seen if they will actually, they may actually act differently, speak differently, dress differently, and engage in maybe some behaviors that they would otherwise say no to. And that has a lot to do with being seen. They don't want to be ignored. Okay, I'll go along with the group. I'm not really happy with where they're going, but I don't want to be the one person that says, no, I'm not doing this. And I'm not talking about, you know, maturity in that way, like being able to say no to things. I'm talking about this need to say, hey, maybe that's who they are, but that's not who I am. And I need to be who I am. And if some of it is similar, that's great. But if this is way outside of who I am, I need to reject it. I need to say no. That's not going to fit. That's not going to go well with me. And I'm probably not going to do it well with you guys either. So you need to go have, have fun. Go do it. Tell me the story later, right? And I think that this is really important for you to understand, to be the unique, authentic person that you were designed to be, the best version of you. You are the only one who can affect the world positively or negatively in your own unique way. And I think that's more important than you will ever realize, especially in today's world, because we have so many opportunities to paint outside the lines, right? I mean, you can be anything. Anything is pretty much accepted at this point. So it makes it harder in some ways to find the uniqueness of ourself because everything is allowed. And so the lazy way, right, to create identity in the past has been to jump outside the lines and do the thing that nobody would do. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe they did that right? So we have these, all these kinds of things that people are doing. You know, men are dressing like women, women are dressing like men. People are changing their biology even through, um, through surgeries. You know, we have people that are, are rejecting all kinds of social norms that we used to have, and they still are not feeling satisfied in their identity. They still have to go farther because they're searching for something out there to cause them to feel valid. And they're never going to find it out there. And that's what you want to think about. I need to be at peace with me. I need to commit to myself. I need to be my own best friend, my own best advocate. I need to help myself say no or help myself even say yes and not close the door on myself because I'm afraid. So when we think about this idea of needing to be seen. I want you to ask yourself, what are the things that I'm doing that if I'm to be honest, are causing me to be seen? Because I want to be seen. So is it the way you dress? You know, we have people with all kinds of tattoos. That, that maybe gives them some, some sense of identity. 
and maybe they don't want to have the same tattoo that somebody else has, you know, maybe that makes them feel like, hey, this is really me. And, and it really possibly can be. It's probably true. Because many people, when they find out who they really are and really act on that, they many times find out that they're not who they actually thought they were. That all of a sudden they're like, wow, I, I didn't know that was really me. I was trying to be somebody else that I thought maybe was good. But now I'm finding out who I really am. And I have peace. And see, peace and truth go hand in hand. And you know you've heard me talk about the verse that says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the truth is always the truth. The truth isn't something that we make up. The truth is something that we find. And when we find it, when we tell God we're searching for truth, he is very willing to reveal it to us. And when you have truth, you will also have honesty. And those are very resilient qualities that will bring you inner peace. So I want you to think about this. I don't want you to throw out all the things that you did or that you liked. I just want you to consider what kind of a sacrifice, how, how dishonest am I being with myself with some of the things that I practice, some of the behaviors that I have, some of the things that I purport to love. Am I really being honest? Because we only have one of you. And you are valuable simply because you are you. And your uniqueness is necessary to make all of this work. So I want to encourage you today to stop thinking the shoulda, coulda, woulda, if only then. But to say to yourself, maybe I just need to go back and learn more about who I am. And what seems to be a, an ongoing, you know, issue that I have. And it may be a good one, it may be a bad one. But either way, you want to find out to how to be at peace with yourself and actually enjoy who God made. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you have a great week, and I will talk to you next week. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version.